Hey everyone, I need your attention for one minute. This is not one of those ads. This is something that has changed my entire life. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that this is all about personal development as the foundation for everything good in your life. And this podcast is now sponsored by Growth Day, which is the world's first all-in-one personal development app. I mean, oh my gosh, can you imagine having everything all in one place that you need to create the life that you want? Now you can. So if you've been struggling with your motivation, your mood, your productivity, or your purpose, you have to check this out. Growth Day helps you consciously change your life and achieve your potential. It has all the self-improvement tools, motivational classes, and life coaching all in one place. So many of us want to improve our lives, but the question is how? Where do we start? What do we use? How do you get unstuck? How do you make self-improvement stick? Well, research shows how. It's when you consistently journal, track your habits, set goals, learn from empowering mentors, and challenge yourself that you'll be happier, healthier, and more successful. But let me ask you something. Where do you actually do all of your personal development work? I have to tell you that over 300,000 people use Growth Day for a reason. It works. It's the world's number one software for self-improvement. Growth Day has an amazing mindset journal that I absolutely love, a habit tracker, and a goal-setting system. In fact, I bet if you went to my stories this week, you probably saw me using the journaling app and telling you to do it too, because it's the first time that journaling has ever actually stuck consistently in my life because of this app. And best of all, Growth Day has live inspirational classes every single week from the world's top motivational speakers and life coaches. These are people who have impacted my life in huge ways. These are mentors who I already knew and loved. In fact, this is something that's so huge for me, you guys. I personally teach a class in Growth Day every single month, and it is one of the most fun things that I get to do, and I'd love to see you there. These classes will truly shift your life. There's always something new that you will learn. So join me in 300,000 Achievers Growing Our Lives with actual real intention. Visit growthday.com slash Lori for a free trial. Yes, you can try this for free. So go to growthday.com slash Lori and go live your best life. You guys, that's growthday.com forward slash Lori. And I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome back to the Earn Your Happy Podcast, and today it is my honor to have Coot 
Blackson on this episode. And I will tell you that I really loved having this conversation. I felt a new jolt of life come over me and it was the perfect timing. Let me tell you, I was having one of those weeks and this conversation just really breathed life into me. And I know that it will do the same for you. He is a charismatic visionary and transformational teacher, and he truly offers a bold look at spiritual awareness. He has a multicultural upbringing and he was raised all over the world and dreamed of life in America. And he has an incredible journey and shares so much of that, not just here, but also in his new book, You Are the One. It was published by Simon and Schuster and released worldwide on June 7th of 2016. I can tell you, I already have it on rush order. It's probably going to be at my doorstep tomorrow, and I cannot wait to dive in after listening to this podcast. So without further ado, let's get started. Coot, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so excited to have you here. So great to be here. I've been looking forward to it. Oh, thank you so much. And I would love for all the people who maybe don't know your story, if you would share a bit about yourself, because it is so Mm. interesting, um, just everything that you've lived through. And I think it's so valuable for what you're going to offer. Sure, sure. Just a little bit of background. You know, I was born in Ghana, West Africa. My father's from Ghana. My mother's Japanese. I grew up in London. I live in LA now. So I've always felt like a citizen of the world. And that's really been at the foundation of of who I am. But I remember being around two things. I remember being around age five and feeling a deep, profound, like burning desire to serve people and make a difference in people's lives. And it was like a calling. I didn't really understand it, but that always consumed me. And and I knew I would be helping people in some way. But I remember being also around age six, age seven, and I was, I was a chubby kid, and I was lost in the crowd in Ghana, West Africa. And I literally saw this crippled woman crawling on the floor, Laurie, and she picked up the sand. This man walked on, wiped it on her face, and stood up. And so you could call that a miracle. And week after week, uh, I grew up seeing blind people see, deaf people hear, people stand up, have wheelchairs. Uh, this same man who stands, she picked up, would look at a woman in a wheelchair and say, why are you in this wheelchair? You're not, you're not sick. Stand up. Stand up. And they would stand up. And week after week, I grew up seeing these these uh, really profound miracles. And for me, it was normal because this was my reality. But this man was my father. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and he built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, a huge church in London. So as a young boy, I was always like obsessed with uh, spirituality and, 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 and mysticism and the other world and, and just, just the possibilities of life because I saw these incredible things happening. It was just, it's normal. And, and so I was must have been eight with my first self-help book uh, at age eight and, and start asking questions of who are we and why are we here and what's the purpose of life and what's the nature of existence and why are some people happy and why are some people miserable. And, and so when I was age eight, I actually started speaking in my father's churches when I was age eight, gave my first speech at, at, uh, at age eight to about 5,000 people. And that's when a, a sort of inner process began for me. And then when I was 14, I was ordained as a minister, given the mandate to take over my father's churches. And, and you know, I'll be honest, Laurie, I, I knew when that moment happened, it was hundreds of thousands of people having hopes and expectations on me. I knew that that wasn't my path. I knew that that wasn't my destiny, that that wasn't my purpose. But, uh, you know, truthfully, I was, I, was, I was too afraid to say anything. 
And I wanted my father's love. I wanted his acceptance. I wanted everyone's love and acceptance. I didn't want to be outcast alone. I didn't want to rock the boat. Uh, I didn't want to make waves. And so I, I went along with it, you know. And even though, I, yeah, I wanted to help people, but I knew deep down, if I was honest, this isn't my path. And it, it tore me up for about four years. And um, I just felt terrified that if I acknowledged the truth of my being, then I would lose my father and I'd be outcast and I'd had nothing. And, and so after about four years of inner turmoil, um, one day I came to a realization um, and I realized that I could follow the expected life, the safe life, the life that everyone expects of me that yeah, I'd be pretty successful. But if I was successful by everyone else's standards but not my own, not, I didn't have myself, then – what was the point? I'd be a failure. And I could feel like I was, by going down this path, I was committing a certain soul suicide. Mm. And, and it was so painful. It was so painful. And, and, and then I looked at this other path, the unknown, following my dreams, coming to America. And, 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 and I wanted to go into this field of personal growth since I was in my teens and teach. And, you know, I, I, I was a kid who we, were, we grew up quite poor. So we literally uh, lived at, in, in an apartment that was a part of the church attached to the back. And I, my room was so small, you could fit one single bed in it and, and maybe squeeze yourself through the door into the bed. And I felt so freaking limited by my, by my circumstance. And I had these big visions and these big dreams. And, and yet here I was in a tiny room that fit one bed. And I was like, you know what? This is not going to be my reality. And I would sneak out at night into my father's church with the lights off in the darkness. And I would speak for hours. This went on for years. I would speak for three to four hours to the empty chairs. And I would pour my heart out, you know, speaking a message of inspiration and dreams and possibilities. And I'd imagine souls sitting in these chairs, lighting up, having their lives transformed, crying. You know, and I was sweating. And it was like 1 a.m. in the morning. And night after night, I would speak uh, and imagine myself you know, with thousands of people in Madison Square Garden. And, and, and so it's always amazing. Now, when I have the opportunity to speak, I think, oh, my God, here, here are the souls that I spoke to when I was 12, 13, 14 years old. And, and so I finally mustered up the courage, though, to, when I was 18, to have a conversation with my father and leave the ministry. And I left everything behind, had the conversation. I was sure he was never going to speak to me again. Uh, we didn't speak for two years, but I knew that from that moment, um, nothing was worth compromising my soul. Nothing was worth compromising my happiness. Nothing was worth compromising the truth of what I, what I knew. And many times, you know, I believe that one of the things that keeps us stuck in life is, is are all the ways we, we lie to ourselves, all the ways we BS ourselves, you know, all the ways we rationalize, we settle, we compromise, we betray ourselves, we sell ourselves out from the truth of what we feel and what we know deep inside. And we often try and build a happy life based on a lie. And, and if we're not telling the truth, we're not in touch with the truth of what we feel, no matter what we create, it's still based on a lie. So for me, I was afraid of telling the truth because of the consequences. And I think many times we're afraid of the consequences of what will happen if I'm fully who I am. What will happen if I really am myself? If I really speak my truth, I'll be abandoned. I'll be outcast. I'll be alone. No one will love me. People will find out certain things and they won't want to be around me anymore. Or I'll fail or I'll succeed. And, and so there's all these consequences we're afraid of that stop us from speaking our truth. And, and so I always invite people to say, look, happiness is easy. It's not, it, happiness is, let me phrase it this way, happiness is simple. 
It's not always easy, but it does require the courageous decision to speak, to feel the truth, embrace the truth, speak the truth, live the truth. Simple. It's not complicated, but we don't, and we're often afraid. So we often play this game, and this is the game I play. We often play this game of, I'm so confused. I'm not sure. You know, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what I'm here to do. I don't know what I want with my life. I don't know what my goals are. I don't know what my purpose is. You know, I don't know if this relationship is right for me. When deep down, we know, and I think the time has come for for each of us, especially for those on this call. If you're on this call, that maybe your soul has called you to this moment, to this interview, to feel what is your truth. And I think the moment we're willing to own the truth, feel the truth, and live the truth is the moment our life begins to shift. And once I did. Cut a long story short, I won a green card in the lottery, came to the U.S., two suitcases, knew no one in the country, $1,000, and went on a quest and found teachers, mentors, authors, all of the best-selling folks you've, you know, you've probably read, uh, and studied and traveled the world and, and went to places like India and Thailand and Bali and Israel, uh, northern Spain, in search of answers, and then came back. And over the last 15 years, I've had the privilege of coaching people from all walks of life and speaking around the world. And now my book's come out. So that's, that's the short story. Mm. You ever feel like you are in front of like 25 different paths? <laughs> Not, <laughs> I am so interested and curious. And I also resonate with actually so much of your story. Um, because I come from a really religious background and I kind of had to deal with the same thing of, of realizing that that was not my path and fear of being rejected by my family and having that conversation. And there was a point where my soul was like, you absolutely, I couldn't even live that way another day knowing Mm -hmm. that my calling was something so different. So I was just sitting here nodding my head, like frantically while you were speaking. So I completely feel that. Um, and you know, there are so many questions I want to ask you, but I guess, um, the one that's coming forward because you shared so much of your story in such a beautiful way. Mm-hmm. Um, you were talking about, you know, once we realize what our truth is, because I think what happened listening to your story to a lot of people is that they probably know. I mean, they're probably sitting here repeating what their truth is in their head. Like, wow, I, I know this, but now what? Because now the fear comes up. Now the stories come up. Now the playing out all of the terrifying possibilities is coming up. So what are some things when you coach people or that you do yourself, instead of thinking of all those things, how can we switch gears to make sure that they start moving in the path of going towards their truth? Yeah, I think, I think first you have to be willing to, you have to be willing to tell the truth to yourself. There's a few questions that I think will also help and a few maybe action steps. And number one is, you know, just simply admitting to, your, admitting to yourself, what, what lies am I telling? What are the truths I'm not telling? What, what am I pretending to not know? What am I pretending to not know? And to sit with, what is it? Because, you know, sometimes we pretend to not know. You know, I mean, how many times have we been in a relationship? Like, well, I don't know if this is what I don't know. And then when we break up, we're like, you know what? When I first met that person, I knew that. I knew something was off. I knew something was off. So we have to be really willing to be like, you know what? I will not compromise. When we compromise ourselves, it's painful. Mm. When we compromise ourselves, it's expensive. When we compromise ourselves, we we disconnect, we, we make a withdrawal from our own integrity with ourselves. And, and to me, when we withdraw from the integrity with ourselves and then we try and go manifest in the world to create the next level, we don't have as much inner alignment and power now. So to really look at what am I pretending to not know 
because I do know. So what am I pretending to not know? And to own, just to have the courage, the courage to own that. Third thing I have people look at is, what is this truth costing me? So, okay, now I've told the truth. What is it costing me? And to be willing to feel that. Many times we're like, okay, this is the truth. Let me distract myself. Let me, you know, social media it away. Let me drink it away. Let me sex it away. Let me work it away. Just distract myself because I, I, I don't want to know the truth. So, I don't, or I don't want to feel, you know, or I know the truth, but I don't want to feel what it's costing me, you know, so I can numb myself. Because if I don't feel what it's costing me, then I don't have to take action. But if we're willing to say, okay, I'm going to feel what it's costing me, being in a relationship that is unfulfilling, being in a job where I feel like I'm having to compromise my integrity or I hate it, feel what it's costing you. Feel the pain. Uh, it's not like, that's not like a motivational tactic. It's going to be painful. But if we're willing to not numb it, to not run from it, then we don't put a Band-Aid on it, which if we put a Band-Aid on it, then it allows us to perpetuate continuing because we never really feel the pain of what it's costing us. So mm. if we can feel what it's costing us, wow, this really hurts. And every day, it, the truth starts burning. Every day, it burns more. It burns a little more. Eventually, we will say, you know what? Uh, I, I have to take some action. I have to do something. I have to make a change. Eventually, it will hit a threshold of I have to do something differently. So feel what it's costing you. And then look at what's the worst, what's the worst I'm afraid will happen? What's the worst thing I'm afraid will happen? Then a couple of reasons I invite people to ask that question is sometimes we think you know, we have this worst case scenario that, 80% of the time often never happens. You know, we are, we're really good. The mind is really good at freaking us out. We freak ourselves out. And many times our nightmare scenario doesn't happen. And, and so if we're able to just face what is the worst thing I'm afraid will happen and I'm running from it and I'm not even sure what it is, but what is it? And if we're willing to face it, many times when we're willing to face the worst fear, at least for me, I've been able to look at it and go, you know, it wouldn't be what I would want. But if that happened, I could probably deal with that. I, I, I could, I, if that was the worst, I would find a way. If that's the worst, I would find a way to deal with that. So then the fear shifts. You know, then the fear of that worst case scenario can shift because sometimes I'll ask people, so what's the worst that would happen if you left your job and you pursued your entrepreneurial vision? What's the worst that would I'll give an example. I had the client who said she wanted to be a coach. And she, just, she was doing this corporate job that she hated. And so what's the worst that would happen? Well, I would do my job. And then what? And then I would um, – then maybe it wouldn't work. And then what? Uh, <clears throat> I would – my savings would go down. And then what? Then I'd have less money. Then what? Then I'd – you know, then what? Uh, then I'd be broke. And, 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 and then what? And, and you know, I thought she was going to say, I'd be homeless, I would, I would die. It was, it was nothing. And, she, and what she said was, well, I guess. So I, so I asked her, how long do you have before you would be completely broke? And she said, mm, about 18 months to two years. And that was of like not making a cent, right? <laughs> That's making nothing. You'd have two years to like succeed. And, and yeah, I'd have two years. So like, what's the worst that would happen? Would you be homeless? She goes, hell no, I wouldn't be homeless. By the time I got to like a year, I'd probably figure out uh, a different situation. And I said, what would you do? Well, I, the worst case, I would go back to doing what I'm doing. I said, say what? I said, she said, worst case, I would go back to doing what I'm doing. So I looked at her and I said, so right now, what you're doing now, you're already doing the worst case. She was like, oh, my God. What you're doing right now is already the worst case. You are facing the worst thing that's ever going to happen, which is you're going to go back to doing the job that you don't really like. That's the worst. You, already, you know what the worst is. 
So the, f- the next question really is to ask people, okay, now that you know what the worst is, if you can make peace with the worst, then it no longer, the fear of the worst no longer runs you, then you can look at what great thing might happen. We're so often afraid and focused on the fear. What amazing thing might happen? What possibility might happen? But then we start tapping into the inner resources, the inner magic inside of us, you know, and we start going the direction of the vision and shifting our focus. So what incredible things might happen? What possibility might happen? And, and look at that. And, I, and then I believe, look, we have to take action. We have to be in action in the world to rearrange the structure of our lives. And if we acknowledge that something's not working, we can pray, we can meditate, we can drink our green juice, we can exercise, we can do yoga, we can do Reiki, we can go to India, we can go to the temples. But look, if, it, if you hate your job and the shit isn't really aligned, mm-hmm. then you've got to recreate your, you, you know, you, your physical environment so that that physical structure and environment, whether it's a relationship, a job, a situation, your body can match what you really want. You know, we can't just, well, I hate this and let me, like, God's going to do it for me. Let me pray about it. You know, yeah, pray about it and take some specific action and maybe it's not drastic but at least each day if we can take a little bit of action each day that moves us Mm. closer to the truth a little bit of action each day that moves us closer to what we really want it's it's better than nothing it's a beginning it's a beginning so Mm. i would say to start there you know but the truth for me laurie is the foundation of everything it's the foundation of really creating an authentic life and many times we're not acknowledging the truth. We're not acknowledging the truth of what we feel, what we know, what we want. And we wonder why we're miserable. Mm. It's like, well, of course you're miserable because you're lying to yourselves and you're living a lie. Mm. You're in a relationship that you hate. You're, in a, you're with someone that you're not in love with. How are you supposed to be happy? Buddha could float. I tell people, Buddha could float down from the sky and you're still going to feel miserable unless you make some specific changes in your life and that takes courage and to me that is profoundly spiritual when we're willing to take the vision and the ideas and implement that into our lives that is that's heroic right there Mm. i'm furiously taking notes but i just absolutely love that um you you said it so perfectly that the truth burns and to allow it to burn it's that we're constantly running from that and if you actually allow it to burn the burning makes you take action that's the gift like Yes. Please burn me. That is the gift to move me forward. <laughs> you know what? The Dalai Lama, they interviewed the Dalai Lama Laurie, many years ago. And I, it was crazy. I saw this interview. You know, the Dalai Lama, mm-hmm. the sweet, happy guy, right? Mm-hmm. Loving the world. And he, they asked him, so Dalai Lama, what do you wish for the West? Like, what's your wish for the West? And you know what he said? Mm. said, more suffering. Mm. I was like, what? More suffering? More suffering. And it hit me like, wow, because it's the burn, you know, it's the burn of the truth. Sometimes we need to burn in the truth because if you speak the truth and it's painful and you burn in it, it is painful. Eventually, you will have to change. Mm-hmm. Eventually, you know, it, even if you don't take action now, it begins a process inside that you can't go back. But if you lie to yourself, then you can constantly perpetuate your current reality and never really change. Mm-hmm. I love that. I always think about that because it's really, I can't remember the quote, but what is it? It's like the fatality of greatness is just being good. Like it's just being, Mm -hmm. we're just so comfortable. Yes. We're so terribly, uncomfortably comfortable. (laughs) (laughs) And I know even when, when you were even saying that, that is the most um, pointed, amazing laser question is um, 
what, uh, let's see, what did you say? What are we um, pretending, pretending to not yes. know? What are we yes. pretending to know? That is a really quick way to get things directly to the surface. And I love that you said um, that, you know, you have to create your own environment in order to create changes in your life and to be active. Yes, we can pray. Yes, we can meditate. Yes, we can manifest the crap out of things. But if we're not in action and constantly creating something new, nothing is going to change. So I know that you had a complete life change coming to LA. What were some things that you in LA of all places, I'm from the Midwest and came to LA. Um, (laughs) So what were some things that you did and took action on when you were like, I just I need to create this a place where I can manifest my dreams, where I can create a life that I want. What were some steps that you took when you got here? Um, it was, I'll be straight up with you. It was very difficult when I got here because I showed up with a thousand dollars and I knew, I knew no one mm. in the U. I knew when I say no one, I, I didn't, I knew nobody in the U S and so I cried. I, I'll be mm. honest. I cried like a baby for a week. And, yes, I uh, would too. <laughs> and then I realized, uh oh, th- this is gonna. I'm gonna be homeless, just crying like a baby. And I feel like I, I couldn't go back. And I rented this tiny little apartment. It was like I don't know, three hundred, four, five hundred. It was just one box of a room. Mm-hmm. I slept on the floor. And two things: I was so happy. I was mm-hmm. so happy because yeah, I was a little scared, but I was so happy because you know. <laughs> I felt free, like I wasn't compromising my soul. Mm-hmm. But I, on one level, I was happy. On another level, you know, as months went by and I was struggling and I was, I was struggling, I was hustling, I was working odd jobs here and there. Uh, I started getting frustrated. I was, I, I, I got to a place where I was mad at the world. I was mad at God because I felt like I had made this decision and I followed the path. And here I was broke, living on an old mattress I found on the street, literally stealing bread from the supermarket just to eat. And I was mad at God. Mad at life, mad at my dad because I felt like I had no support. Mm. And, and I was stuck. I remember that moment. You took what did I do? I was stuck in this moment because I was paralyzed to really take action. I was, and I, and I, I, was, I was in this pity party victim, victim state of like I'm not supported. The universe doesn't love me. And I was just stuck in this place for like a long time. And one day, I don't know what happened, Laurie, but I, it was as though I, I – Something just slapped me across the forehead and said, wake up. Mm-hmm. And I realized that if I was going to truly be able to take action, do the things I knew I needed to do, uh, then I'm going to have to give up this, 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 what I was going to have to give up with the sense of entitlement. And I realized what I'm going to have to give up is the sense of like, no one owes me anything. It was this idea, this concept like, God owes me something. My parents owe me something. My dad owes me something. The government owes me something. And I realized I was in this sense, I was paralyzed in this sense of entitlement. Now, I'm not saying it wouldn't be nice if my father supported or people helped, but what was keeping me stuck is my sense of entitlement. And, and, and when I dropped that, it was profoundly freeing to give up, to, to adopt the, the paradigm of, no one owes me anything. I've been given everything. Hands, eyes, sight, health. You know, the, the, each moment is, is actually the, the proof and the living proof of the totality of the love of the universe that's breathing through us in every moment. What, what else do I need? You know, my father has, has yes, he wasn't the perfect parent. He, and I can wallow in that for the rest of my life and use that as an excuse or a crush as to why I'm not going to succeed. Or I could forgive him and realize, you know what? He gave me life. What, what, what reality is, what else do I need? And, and, and for me, it was a growing up process of letting go of entitlement and truly 
taking responsibility for my life and owning my power. Because when we take responsibility, you are the one, you know, when we take responsibility, uh, then we no longer have any excuses. It's no longer my father's fault. It's no longer society's fault. It's no longer the government's fault. It's like, no, it's on me. And, and that's a profound uh, step and responsibility to own, uh, to own that, you know, to, to take ownership for our lives. And so once that happened, something shifted and my life started shifting. And it was a process and a step-by-step process. But from that moment, I realized, you know, look, just because I'm in the U.S., Oprah's not going to come knock on my door and say, hey, Kud, I've been looking for you. You know, uh, uh, Deepak Chopra is not going to knock on my door and say, hey, you been, I heard you've been reading my books. You know, uh, or, or, you know, no one's going to knock on my door and say, hey, you, you need to lose 20 pounds. I'm going to go to the gym when you sleep and feel sorry for yourself, and I'm going to work out so you can lose the weight. It's not going to happen. You know, so I realized, wait a second, if I've come to the U.S. to meet the Chopras, the Jack Canfields of the world, then I need, I, I need to do my part. And what I literally did, Laurie, was I went and I, and I knocked on their doors. I went and, I, and I, I had no money and I literally harassed them at their seminars. I went to their offices, to their homes, and I said, hey, here I am. And I just showed up and I just put myself out there. And you could say I just took responsibility. And, and it was amazing. Many of them sat me down and had conversa- I had a conversation like days after my sort of – giving up victimhood experience. I went to Jack Campbell's office. They said he wasn't there. Jack, sorry, Jack's not here. And I'm like, I'm not leaving. I've been reading Jack since I was 13. I'm not leaving. <laughs> I'm not leaving. It was kind of like, don't, doesn't he know who I am? You know, I'm not leaving until I speak with him. And they realized, God, this kid's crazy. And, and all of a sudden, this guy walks out because there was a commotion. There's Jack Canfield. And, he, and Jack was like, you know, I was over here in the conversation. Why don't you come into my office? And just like that one hour of a conversation, 18, 19 years ago, it wasn't like it was just very simple advice he gave me, but it sent me on a path and totally transformed my life. Like he said, go do these things. If you want to be a speaker, go do this, go to this seminar, go here, read these books, go here, find this person, boom, boom. And I went and did all those things and just changed my life. So, so for me, it was the willingness to, to take ownership and give up entitlement that was, was huge. And, and it, was, it was really, really profound, you know, mm. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, I love that because Jack is a big mentor of mine, so I can actually picture the whole scenario going down. <laughs> um, second of all, I this story is so amazing because this is like people thinking. I mean, you went straight to the 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 source, right? You went directly to the source, and I think so many people are fearing all the steps even before that. Mm-hmm. And what you did was went straight to the source, and you were like, okay, well, worst case scenario, they can kick me out or worst case scenario, I don't get a meeting or worst case scenario, X, Y, and Z. And we could go down that path and you could freak yourself out. And I'm sure you were nervous. Um, But the thing is, is that look at how it all turned out for everybody. So many people are willing to help. And worst case scenario, I mean, for the most part, when I hear these stories, because, you know, I go to events all the time and I hear these stories of people just like you who have... um, just been so like their this is their mission is to figure it out and all of the people all of the mentors they're like so excited to sit down and share because this person went above and beyond so i'm telling you if you go above and beyond to go and meet people meet your mentors go to these events like like they're excited because i would love if someone mm-hmm. like you came up to me at my event and i was like oh my gosh this person is is like really taking this and running with it right so what were some things you did right before did you have those moments of 
what am I doing? I'm freaking out. Or was your back already just so against the wall that this was all you could see? You mean before I did, like took that? Yes, took before the, you yeah. would go in and meet people. Oh, just before. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, yeah. I mean, I was of course I was a little nervous. You know, I mean, I showed up at Campbell's office. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> what do I do? I mean, but what else? What like? I feel we have to be bold. Mm. We have to be bold in our lives. You know, uh, just to kind of take a sidestep, it's like a few years after that, I decided I wanted a TV show, okay? Like mm. I wanted to be the next Oprah. I wanted a TV show. Yeah. And I, the challenge is I didn't know anyone. I didn't know anyone. I didn't even know there was a thing called Hollywood. I didn't come to, <laughs> to, to yes. LA for media. I just wanted to help people. But I also figured out, wow, there's this thing called media and television and Oprah. And, uh, so, so I did the same thing. I went and tracked down the top agents in LA, most of them laughed me out of their offices, literally laughed me. I mean, when I say laughed, laughed me out of their offices, escorted me out of their offices with security. You know, it was embarrassing. Hmm. And what we have to do, I feel, to follow our dream is be willing to look stupid, be willing to give up our ego, and one of the things I find is our ego is what gets in the way of our willingness to put ourselves out there. And what I had to understand was their rejection of me wasn't of me and it wasn't even personal. And I had to let that go and really cultivate the inner understanding is they don't really know me yet and they don't know who I am. So what they're rejecting is not me because when I get caught up in me, then, then it, uh, yeah, I get nervous. But what really helped me too was this deep feeling of a dream. I felt, I, Laurie, I felt this dream. I felt like I wanted to help people. And what I acknowledged that really shifted everything, that, that yeah, I was a little nervous, but it's what moved me through my own, like, stuff was the realization was two things, a couple of things. The dream that I had, and this goes for everyone, the dream chose me. The tr- the, our dreams, I believe, choose you, your dreams are choosing you because you're the perfect person to fulfill the, those dreams and those visions based on your experience, your trauma, your success, your heartbreak, your ups, your downs. Everything you've gone through has made you the perfect person to fulfill, to fulfill that vision. That's why you have the dream and to trust that. Second thing I realize is, look, this dream doesn't belong to me. It's not even like my dream, the TV show idea, the book idea. When we get caught up and like, this is mine, the ego wants to hold on to it take ownership of it, of my vision, my business. And, and then that's when the contraction happens because then the ego thinks I'm in control and I have to do it. And it's a small eye. It's a very limited, finite capacity that our ego has. And what I realize is our ego can only take us so far. So once I realized that, I thought, well, the true thing is the dream shows me. The dream doesn't even belong to me. It belongs to life. And the dream, and I'm just the vessel, I'm simply the vessel for the vision of life, consciousness, the divine life force, whatever you want to call it, the universe, to, to manifest this vision through. We are just the vessel to execute, to carry out the vision. And all we have to do is say yes and allow ourselves to be used. So you could say, once I got myself out the way and I took my ego out of it, like it's not mine, I'm just, it's bigger than me. Then it kind of freed me up. I'm not saying the rejection was pleasant, but it kind of freed me up to say, okay, I just have to show up and do my part. Because if I've been given this vision, inherent in any vision is also the seed for its fulfillment. So there has to be someone, right, who's going to say yes. There has to be someone who I have a sole agreement with that has already agreed 
to bring this vision with me into manifestation. So I just have to find that person. That's it. And, and, and those that say no, that I don't have the agreement with. And I'm not going to pretend to know who that person is. And I track down the head of CAA, the head of William Morris, the on and on. I track down you know, billionaires, Richard Branson. I had an experience with Branson, tracked him down on the street in the conference, tracked mm-hmm. down Steven Spielberg, mm-hmm. which is in my book. It's a story in my book. I mean, it's a crazy story. He <laughs> tracked him down in a park on a Saturday morning. I mean, because I was possessed mm-hmm. with, it, it, it's almost like the dream had me. I, I, I allowed myself to surrender to the vision. Mm-hmm. And then what was fueling me was no longer little Coot's ego, what was fueling was the rocket fuel, the motivation of the dream. And that's what honestly propelled me forward. I remember trying to track down Steven Spielberg one day, and it's in my book, but you guys can read it there. But, but I, I remember putting on my best suit and shaking. I, 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 was, I wanted to meet Spielberg because I read his book and he was a visionary and I thought he started DreamWorks SKG with, with Spielberg and Katzenberg and Paul Allen. I thought this guy was going to get my vision. He's kind of a little, uh, he's a visionary. And, and, and I've called a, a friend of a friend who's a producer. He said, hell no, I'm not setting up a meeting with you and Spielberg. And, <laughs> but he said, I have a friend who teaches Spielberg's son soccer on a Saturday. I called that friend. I said, by chance, could you set me up with a meeting with Spielberg? He said, hell no. I said, by chance, could you tell me where the soccer games happen? And he said, you cannot repeat this. The soccer games happen at this location in LA. I said, thank you. Enough said. And I showed up. With the, with the, I had one suit, Laurie, and I showed up, and I was shaking. I mean, when I say shaking, I was shaking all the way. I got out of my car, trembling, trembling, and, I, and my, mind's, my mind is saying, you're crazy, go home. Go home. You're crazy. Don't do it. You're crazy. Don't go. And that first week, he wasn't there. I was like, thank God. The next week, my soul's bringing me back, shaking. I go back. I'm like, oh, my God, there's Spielberg. There's Spielberg. And I see Spielberg and his wife. And I thought, you're crazy. You're going to get arrested. But what Paul, what, when you surrender to your vision, what will move you through your own limited self is the vision, is the soul. And that's what I, I couldn't stop myself. And it wasn't me. Yeah, I was afraid. But despite my fear, what was coming through was the energy of that vision. And it pulled me. And I, and I literally hid behind a tree. And when he came out, I jumped out of the tree and I started. <laughs> <laughs> There's like 40 people thinking I'm about to kill Steven Spielberg. And I, and I literally started pitching him. And, you know, cut so short, he realized this guy is kind of passionate. And I reminded him of himself and he set up some meetings for me. It was amazing. But, mm. but, the, but, but when we surrender to what's bigger than ourselves and what's bigger than ourselves, uh, I want to say it a certain way, what's bigger than ourselves is bigger than our fears. And that's what moves us through. That's what doesn't let us stop short of taking action. And I think that that surrender is what's needed, you know. Mm. Okay. So I want to get a full body tattoo just as a reminder to feed my dreams. (laughs) (laughs) For real, I'm so fired up right now. So thank you for that. Because it's just a constant reminder. Every single thing that you're saying, your mind was focused on feeding and fueling that dream that you knew was not even yours. It's like, if you get a glimmer of it, savor it and hold on to it. And I just think about all the things all day long that we allow in our mind and we allow to to take roots and we allow to continue to feed and feed and feed. And of course it's going to take over that dream if we don't feed it. And when we do 
feed that dream. I'm telling you, it's like the days that I really sit and, and visualize, like you had said, you know, even visualizing in your, um, father's church, speaking to everyone. I mean, that is, that's the power when you can see it, when you feel what that is, it, it takes over. It's an energy that literally will pull you toward what it is you're, you're going to do. And it's like, it can make you fearless for a short amount of time. And when I say fearless, I mean, basically just more bold, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Because the fear is still there, but something takes over. So yes. I would love to talk about your book that you have out because I think everybody at this point is like just wanting something to hold on to <laughs> in physical form um, because really it just honestly, you have, you are such an inspirational, um, speaker that I'm like, so fired up. I'm like, okay, let's get some of these words on paper. Um, so tell me about your book and, um, I would love to know, like, what is one of the biggest lessons throughout the book that maybe came from some massive failure? Yeah. You know, one of the lessons, and then we'll maybe get to the book too, but connected to what we've just been talking about, you know, is, is, is the sense of like we often let our fears hijack our, our ability to take action. Mm. We often let our fears hijack our dreams, you know, and our minds to hijack our dreams. So one of the things that I talk about in the book is I really help people get in touch and discover who they really are and what, what is a part of that process – one of the things that really stops people from truly manifesting is we're constantly buying into the BS and the stories of our mind. We're constantly buying into the lies and the, the programming and what we've been sold in our mind. And so in the book, I teach people, because it's connected to what we just said, was if you simply listen to your mind, you will live a very limited life because mm. your, your mind is finite. Your mind cannot see the whole picture, but your soul is way bigger than that. And what I teach people is you are not the mind. You are not the mind. And, and if you listen to the mind, you will not truly fulfill your greatness in this lifetime. And, and, and we have 65,000 thoughts, maybe the 75,000 thoughts a day. Most of those thoughts are the same as yesterday. We're regurgitating those thoughts. Most of the thoughts are passed down to us from our parents and their parents and our grandparents. So, we're, so are we really like, is what we believe really what we believe or is it just kind of passed down to us? So what I have people do, what's so important is realize this. You are not your mind. Just because a thought is in your mind doesn't mean it's real. And one of the things I keep, let me repeat that, just because a thought is in your mind doesn't mean it's real. And one of the things that I see keeps people stuck is we're constantly buying into what the minds, the thoughts that the mind sells us somehow because it's in our mind, it must be real. I'm not enough. You're not going to make it. Yeah, how can you do this? You don't have the experience. Who do you think you are? Don't do that. Don't make that phone call. You're not enough. Blah, 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 blah. All those thoughts that float through the mind because we're in the mind, sometimes we think that they're real, but they're not. So many times we are buying into something that's fiction and we're, we're, making, and we're, we're living it like it's fact. So we have to start questioning is this fact or is it really fact? Is it really true or is it simply fiction? And I think when we can start developing a whole different relationship with our mind, we start freeing ourselves up. And I, and I often say too, it's not just the thoughts that you think are important. It's how you feel about the thoughts that are really important. Mm -hmm. It's not just the thoughts that you think are important because if you just try to never think a negative thought, it's going to be suffering to try and fight your mind all the time. But to start having a new relationship 
with your mind. You know, as entrepreneurs, as those are up to big stuff, there's going to be fear. There's going to be mind stuff. Oh, my God, can I, can I do that? I've never done that before, you know. So we have to observe our mind and cultivate a relationship with the mind and witness the thoughts. And this way, when, what often causes suffering is the thought arises and we identify, we hold on, we attach to those thoughts and then boom, the story begins. Mm-hmm. And then, then we spiral and we don't even realize before you know it, two days later we spiral. So if we can, if we can not simply ident- hold on and identify to those thoughts but start witnessing and observing those thoughts, then we don't have to be taken down in moments, especially moments where we feel great, especially moments where we're up to, to big stuff. So that's kind of an important thing connected in the book that's connected to what we've just been speaking about. But, the, but yeah, the book is called You Are the One. And it really arose because I saw myself included at some time in my life, Laurie, I saw so many of us, we look at heroes in the world, the JFKs, the MLKs, the Bob Marleys, the Muhammad Ali's, the Bruce Lee's, the Gandhi's, the Mother Teresa's of the world, the Elon Musk, the Oprah's. We look at them and go, oh, wow, they're amazing. We watch you know, the, the awards shows and the Oscars and the Emmys and we worship and the, the, the heroes. And I believe that the real heroes in the world aren't just those that can jump or fly or you know, Will Smith or Tom Cruise or what have you, the real heroes are each of us that despite our challenges, despite our, our upbringing, despite our heartbreak, we're willing to open our hearts and love again. Despite what we've been through, we're willing to forgive. Despite everything, we're willing to love ourselves. Despite everything, we're willing to, to love the world and give our gifts to the world. Despite all, having all the legitimate excuses to, to not those of us that do, to me, those are the real heroes. And I think mm. we're living in a time today where the world is going through so many changes, old systems collapsing, old economic models, old ways of doing things, old economic models, old, old educational models, you know, the real estate market, financial market collapsing. And I believe that right now we are in the midst of perhaps the greatest spiritual revolution the world has ever seen where we're being forced to wake up to who we really are. And more than ever, people are seeking, people are searching for answers, for guidance that, that you and I, we, we on this call, we have a kind of responsibility you know to 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 step up to give our gifts and it's easy to look at well you know that person jack canfield should do it or oprah should do it or or laurie or coot should do it but i believe that each of us we cannot wait anymore and many times we wait we we often wait saying well when i'm retired or when i have enough money or, or when when i'm more educated or when when this or when that and i believe waiting is suffering and it's time to lose the weight, true, literally lose the weight and step into being able to giving our gifts now and realize that no one's coming. You know, like, no, who, who are you waiting for? Like, no one is coming right now as we are, as you are, as I am. We don't have to be perfect, but we just have to start with who we are, where we are, with what we have in this moment and give our gifts right now. No different than a Mother Teresa did. And she didn't wait for someone else to pick up a sick person or a dying person. She could have waited and said, well, I'll let the you know, UNICEF do it or I'll let the bigger organization. She just picked up one person. She simply said, I saw that one person as the Christ and I picked that person up and loved them as I would if I would, because you know she was Catholic, so if I would, if if I would love Christ, I, I just picked up that one person, and I think that we can all just begin, and I think if we all do that, we realize no one is coming because you and me, we're already here, we're here, and, and so the book is a really a bold invitation to stop waiting and give, really give your gifts right now. Oh, I love, I love hearing that because I think so many, you know, we we've got kind of this like. 
um, I don't know what I'm trying to say, like a black and white area where people are like, they either totally know what they want to do or they feel like they have this big purpose and this big calling. And then there's this divide of people sometimes who, you know, I can sometimes see this at my events where people are like, well, what if I don't know what that is that I want to do? Am I not important? Am I not, you know, how do I figure out what my purpose is? Like we're spending so much time on trying to figure out what a grand purpose is Mm -hmm. when it's really giving your gifts. So what would you say to those people who just feel like they don't even know right now? I, I, I love this question. I have, I have two things I want to say specifically that number one, if you're someone saying, I don't know, I have no clue, I'm confused, I'm going to propose that that's not true. Mm. That perhaps you're playing a game with yourself. Because if I, and I'm going to just be a little extreme for a moment, okay? If I said, I'm going to put a gun to the head of the person you love the most, mm-hmm. and I'm going to say, I will shoot them, of course I would never do, but it, I'm going to shoot them in like a minute unless you tell me what you're here to do, what your purpose is, what, what is it? Mm. That person would come up with something, right? Mm-hmm. They, for sure. It may not be exactly, but they would likely would come up with something that was in the zone. So what I found is deep down, deep down, deep down, we have an inkling. We have a sense. Mm-hmm. There is a knowing. There is a sense. There is an inkling, even though it may not be exactly. And, 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 and so one of the myths, I think, that is perpetuated in personal growth is you have to know exactly exactly what your specific purpose is, the shape, the size, the color, the, the, the weight, the height, and be able to put it down on a postcard and speak it to someone. And I believe it's a mistake. I'm going to propose that you don't have to know exactly what – if you're someone who doesn't know, two things. Number one, you have a sense. You have an inkling. Trust the inkling. Give up the game of confusion of, well, I don't really know. I'm not really sure because sometimes it's easy to play that game of confusion because if we play the game of confusion, then we don't have to take action on it and be responsible. If we also play the game of confusion of I don't know, the I don't know game, I'm confused game, then we can always kind of have this big vision that we're kind of meant to do that we feel and we put it into the future and we can always have it as this future hope and never take the action and risk the reality of what it's going to take to manifesting that we can always have it as this future fantasy for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years until we die. And what the shame is, the shame is we may never manifest that vision. So we have to give up this idea that we don't know. That's one thing I'll say. So there's a deep knowing and there's a part of us I feel that knows everything because we are everything. So own whatever knowing is present. And and I would say go in that direction. You don't have to know specifically what it's going to look like. I look at Oprah. I'm sure Oprah didn't have an idea when she was simply a, a, a newscaster that she's gonna, she was going to be Oprah Winfrey, mm-hmm. you know, that she was going to be this worth $4 billion, this mogul. I don't think she had a specific, specific idea. I look at Obama, President Obama, whether you like him, whether you hate him. I don't think he had an idea when he was just a social worker, you know, that he was going to be the president of the United States of America. But he began and he didn't wait till he had it all figured out. Your soul has an intelligence that knows. And what we need to do is simply go in the direction, go lean in the direction, go in the direction of your vision, go in the direction of what lights you up, go in the direction of what warms you up, go in the direction of your passion, take a step. When you take a step, the next step, and what's next will be revealed when you take the step. Mm. We want 17 steps. We want the next 10 years. Take a step because who you are today will not be who you are five years from now. And your vision will likely evolve anyway as you evolve in your own consciousness. But if you take a step, life is revealed and your purpose is revealed with each step along the way. And you will end up living into your vision. 
that's one thing I'll say. So be willing to live in the unknown and trust. Trust the emergence of your soul. Trust the intelligence of life to reveal to you your vision along the way and you'll live into it. That's one thing. The second thing is a couple of simple questions. If you're saying, well, I'm still not clear. How do I? One thing that will at least help put you in the ballpark to be able to take the step is look at, look at what do you love? I would say, what do you love? What, what lights you up? What, like, I love personal growth. Like, I was doing this stuff when I was broke, had no money. It didn't even matter. I was coaching people for free. I didn't care. I mean, it, it, whether I make money, whether I didn't make money, I would still be doing a version of what I'm doing. So for me, I have to do that. So I'd say, look at what you love, what lights you up, what, what turns you on, what, what, uh, what, 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 you know, what, what really is just passionate for you and you just love it. That's go in that direction. Go in that direction. So that's one. But we're going to clarify because, hey, you might be two foot one saying, I love basketball. <laughs> that, may, that may not be the best, uh, you know, that doesn't mean you'd be a basketball player, but that doesn't mean you couldn't do something in that field. So what do you love? Number two is you look at, well, what skill sets do I have? You know, what skill sets do I have based on my experience? And what is my experience? Because my experience uh, giving you the, it will give you the clues as to what skills you have and what you're good at and what your gifts are. So look at your experience and look at the gifts that you have. They will give you clues. They will give you clues. You know, my, my experience happens to be my father's a healer. My, my, I, grew, I grew up speaking. I mean, this is part of my experience. I mean, does it make sense to think I'm not selling cars? You know, I, I, one of the things I did, Laurie, when I came to the U.S. In, in the first, I think, year, I was broken. I'm like, I'm tired of being broke. Let me go sell cars. And I went to sell cars for a weekend. I sold five cars in a weekend. I was completely miserable. It was so out of alignment with mm. – it, it just, it's just – I'm not saying that's everyone's path, but for me – I just knew this is not why I'm here. This is not why I and my soul was put on this planet just to make money and sell cars. And I had to honor my unique soul's destiny, my unique soul's code, my unique soul's path. So look at your experience and look at the skills you have, the gifts that you have, because that will show you, you know, what skill sets you have that can really be of value. I would say third thing is look at what unique problems you're able to solve. I believe the ability to make money is in direct proportion to your ability to solve a pain problem or challenge for someone. And, and if you have a specific problem you're able to solve, likely someone also has a pain problem or challenge. And, and, and our ability to make money is in direct proportion to our ability to add value. We add value when we solve the pain problem or challenge. So you might not think Right. Someone listening may not think, well, I have this. I'm able to solve this specific problem. But because it comes naturally to you, because you're good at it innately, you may not think it's that valuable. But for someone who, has, who's not, who doesn't have that ability, it's a gift. There's tremendous value there. So that's one thing I would say. The last thing I would say is look at the community of people that you have an affinity to, that you resonate with, that maybe it's kids, maybe it's animals, maybe it's dolphins, maybe it's elderly people, maybe it's homeless people, maybe it's the blind. Look at those that you have an affinity to because that affinity is pointing you in the, in the direction of perhaps the community of people you get to serve in this lifetime. And if you answer those questions in depth and start moving in that direction, even though you may not see it clearly, your life purpose will reveal itself to you. 
I love that. Well, I'm going to have to go back and listen to all of this <laughs> again for myself because I want to go take some serious notes. I um, truly, you have spoken life into me and I know everybody who is listening today, I feel like reset. So I'm so grateful to you for that. And before we conclude, I just want to make sure that everybody is able um, to be able to go purchase your book and also follow you. So where can we do that? Yeah, um, I'd say thank you again, Laura, for having me on. And I just feel such warmth and I've had such fun hanging with you mm-hmm. today. Um, where people, I would love to, to connect with anyone that feels moved by, by the work and the conversation today. So I uh, would love for everyone to check out the book, You Are The One. You can buy it from um, Amazon, of course, but also www.youarethewonebook.com. If you buy it there, there's free videos, there's gifts. Once you buy the book, just enter your receipt and we'll, we'll get connected that way. Uh, there's, there's videos, there's there's product we're giving away there's interviews so tremendous value there uh, also anyone that feels called to go to the next level um, there's uh, an event I do twice a year the next one is in December uh, it's uh, called Boundless Bliss Bali www.boundlessblissbali.com and it's for those leaders and visionaries that are ready to take their visions and catapult and live them live their purpose in the world so that's uh, that's that's also another place and also social media and facebook and instagram say hi reach out my videos are all over the internet and you can we can check in that way Mm, thank you so much and i will absolutely be checking that out in december i am all about events and i think everybody on here knows that events are so incredibly powerful so that is beyond exciting and again i just want to say thank you so much for sharing because i always know when my um when my truth is just reminding me, I'm getting reminded of my truth because I have full body goosebumps over and over and I had tears in my eyes throughout. So I'm just thanking you today because it came on the perfect day for me as I am sure everyone is nodding as well. So uh, I just want to really acknowledge you for being so bold. And when we can see what that, what that power looks like when you really step into your truth. And I know that I am just beyond fired up and I'm sure everyone else is. So thank you again. (laughs) And you guys, if you loved this episode as much as I did, make sure you share it. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye everyone. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, all I'm so excited to share with you, Earn Your Happy is now part of Growth Day Podcast Network. A bunch of us are coming together to bring more growth to the world and support shows and brands that we truly believe in. And one of my friends is also on the network and I'd love for you to go subscribe to his show. You guys, Trent Shelton has the most incredible podcast. It's called Straight Up with Trent Shelton. And it's going to remind you that you are built 
for this. I have heard Trent speak in person multiple times. I've listened to his podcast a ton. He's coming on the show and I literally cannot wait because this man just spits straight fire. It is like truth that goes to your core and makes you take action right away. If you want one of those podcasts that when you're just out on a walk, you can't help but want to start running and run through a wall in your life, this is the show to go listen to. So you guys make sure that you go subscribe to the show straight up with Trent Shelton. You're going to love it. Want to know a huge secret to my success? Okay, not only my success, but just about every single person that I have interviewed on this podcast who is successful has this in common. You guys, they love to journal. They capture their life lessons and what they're grateful for. But a lot of people don't keep this up consistently. And most people do know that the research shows that journaling deepens your gratitude and increases self-awareness. But did you also know that journaling decreases stress and helps you achieve your goals faster? In fact, journaling is a huge differentiator between average performers at work and high-performing people. It leads to longer-term clarity, confidence, and success. So why don't more people journal? Why didn't I journal consistently? Honestly, they don't like staring at a blank page. It's hard to carry a book around with you or a notepad, and they just don't even know what to write about or they just forget. That's why I know that you're going to love Growth Day. It's the world's number one system for self-improvement and it's like all-in-one personal development in an app. And it has an awesome digital journal and people love it. Growth Day's digital journal has hundreds of research-backed writing prompts for self-reflection, positive mindset, confidence building, and success. I use them all the time and it makes me think in ways that I typically don't and it makes me ask myself better questions, which we all know gets better results in our lives. It even has prompts that help you develop a daily, weekly, or monthly habit of reflecting on your life and identifying areas to grow. So it's a perfect time of year to start journaling, you guys. When you sign up at Growth Day, you also get systems for habit tracking, goal setting, and scoring and improving every area of your life. Best of all, I get to teach there too, you guys. I'm so excited. I hope that I get to see you. I teach live in Growth Day every single month with a new topic just for for you. So join me there. Start your free trial at growthdate.com slash Lori. Hey, do you know what the big secret is this year? And it shouldn't be a secret because this should be your biggest focus. It is building your community. I am always working on building and nurturing my community and everyone is talking about the power of community without an online community you just cannot grow organically or create a real movement which is what i know that we're all after and you can build trust or monetize your audience when you get community right not only does your audience grow faster, but so do your sales. But where's everybody gonna be managing their communities these days? And a lot of online entrepreneurs and thought leaders are turning to circle.so. 
Circle is an all-in-one community platform. It lets you host content and create discussions, live streams, group chats, and memberships all under your own brand. And what's so cool about Circle.so is that you don't even need a website or Facebook group. Instead, Circle lets you build your own community site where you can host content and manage your members. You can even create locked and unlocked content spaces, groups, and classes. How freaking cool is that? You can put your content behind a paywall too, and you can charge different amounts of money for different spaces on your community site. Circle.so is famously easy to use, and it has a free 14-day trial for you, so you can go check it out, see if you like it, see if you love all the options. Just go to circle.so. Go check it out right now, you guys. Imagine being able to manage your community, start group chats and live classes, and accept payments all in one place. Kind of mind-blowing since this is usually spread all over the place. You have to log into so many different things. If this is the year to capture, organize, and monetize your community, head over to circle.so. You can get a free trial and start building your online community right now. Just go to circle.so. You guys, you get the 14-day free trial. So just go and see if it's for you. It's going to streamline everything and make your life so much easier. It's so freaking cool.